welcome back to Loyalty Discussions with White Label Loyalty. I'm Christina and I'll be your host. Um, and this is actually part two um, of our discussion on segmentation strategy. So if you missed our first part, um, do go ahead and uh, watch or listen to the first part uh, first and then come back to, to rewatch this one. So the very first part that uh, we discussed um, the theory of segmentation and today we are going to take that forward and move on to discuss uh, the implementation of segmentation in practice. Um, I'm thrilled to have both of our guests from the previous episode uh, join us back. So firstly, White Label Loyalty's CEO and technology enthusiast, Ashil Traore, and then our very special guest, um, James McKenzie, who spent over 20 years in the retail sector um, and uh, with a specialization in data and insight. Um, so welcome back to both. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, Christina. So I'm excited to get started. So let's just jump right into the questions. Um, very first one, I would like to kick off with kind of a nice continuity from uh, where we left off last time. So um, James, what do you see as the bigger problem, generally speaking, the theory or the up implementation when it comes to segmentation? Uh, I think that's an exceptionally good question. I think um, depending on how you uh, approach both, they both can be a challenge. So um, what's, what I found in my experience is that, that there is a broad theory, but what you can trip up on, what you can make mistakes in is not... Uh, sort of treating every client homogeneously you know da data is is data but each client has its own particular quirks or operational um, differences that that might mean that that behavior and that data is different to what you've worked with before so that theory is great as a framework and a guideline um, so if you've worked with uh, pretty mainstream retailers, for example, if you then shift that theory to a convenience or online only retailer, broadly the theory is right, but you have to find ways to, to understand that, that customers interact differently with a convenience retailer to an online retailer to, to, to what you've worked with before. So, so broadly that framework's right. Um, the real challenge I do think though does come in in, in execution because when, when you work uh, with clients who c come that far on the journey and go, I need to understand my data better, to understand my customers better, to help segment them, to try and make the right decisions, that's great. But what you've got to do is empower the people who work in the business day to day to make sure it becomes part of their working process. So it becomes part of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis to improve your job. Um, and, and the reason for that is, is twofold. Um, and these are the two big challenges is first and foremost, if it is something that sits outside the daily process or the week process or the, the financial cycle of, of, of my business, it will not become second nature and it will always be seen as a, a luxury or, or a um, something that's nice to have rather than it being part of what makes you tick as a business and, and puts customers at, at the center of what you want to do. And the second thing is about understanding those people that you're asking 
to put this segmentation and understanding customers into from a data-driven perspective. Because actually, and, and this was a big surprise for me in my career when I first came across it, is people are scared about data because they think they're going to lose their job. They think they're going to get replaced. They think, here comes this fantastic AI module that does everything that I do. And what does that mean? Does that mean I'm out of a job? Well, actually, it doesn't mean that at all. What it means is you'll make better informed decisions. It doesn't mean that you're going to replace those decisions. And that's why it's really important to put it both into the process as well as the theory, because once you put it into the process and those individuals, those more junior individuals in a, in a business can see that it enhances their decision making and makes them better at what they do. And the skill is not the decision itself. The skill is weighing up when to do that decision or what type of when to, to look at that or, or how does it sit with the whole suite of opportunities. Then you start to create some evangelists. And, I, and it's, always a, it's always a bell curve. When, when, you, when you look at people that you engage with, um, there'll be 10% of people who get it straight away and are really evangelistic. There are 10% of people who will never get it and always react and, and reject, sorry, that, that, that approach. You've got 80% in the middle that, depending on how you work with them, they'll go one or two ways. And, that, and that, that getting them from being, what does this mean? Am I afraid? Is this, a, is this a, uh, something that's going to make me uh, less secure? to something that does a better job, I think is the skill of, of integrating data and insight and segmentation into a business and the way it works. Mm, okay, that, that's really interesting. Um, that, um, does that mean, so who would you say that should be or is um, most involved with segmentation? Because you've kind of touched on, it, um, touched on it, that it can help many different people across the business uh you can make their lives and their roles uh, a lot better and easier yeah I, 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 again i think i think that's a really pertinent uh thing to explore and, and to question um quite quite often in certainly larger sophisticated more sophisticated businesses you'll have some sort of leadership function thinking very strategically and, and they will go should we know more about our customers yes of course we should know more about our customers And then what you get is a bit of a gap because there's, a, there's either a knowledge gap or there's a operational gap or there's a show me how to use this gap between those leaders in the business and those people who've got to execute on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that the sweet, the sweet spot is understanding that whilst the data is the same, how each one of those levels and how each one of those people use that data is very, very different. So, you know, you've, there's a classic funnel approach, which is um, segmentation or customer insight is useful at a leadership level in a really simplistic form. And then as you go down the organization, depending on how detailed the job role is or how uh, impactful it is on the day-to-day -day operation of a business, you need more and more detail. So it's like a, like a pyramid, right? You know, like reverse funnel. And that unfortunately means it gets more and more complex. And that's the bit that's challenging because you've got to find a way to cover that knowledge gap, that simplicity of, yes, we should know more about our customers, down to what does that mean to operate the business on a day-to-day -day basis? And what does that mean for said individual 
who all of a sudden might not be very data literate and gets a wonderful dashboard and goes, I don't understand what this means. And that's why segmentation isn't just about the theory of getting the data. It's about what are the processes and ways of working to help people um, absorb this as part of their decision making, absorb it as part of their day-to-day -day operations. So the, the commonality is the data and the, and the insight, how you use it and how you bulk it up, shrink it down, translate it is, is different depending on where each role is or what, what level you are in that organization. Mm, yeah, and that, that's where the, the kind of magic happens, how, how well you can translate that data and make it easier or more complicated, how well you communicate it uh, in, the, in the company. I love that uh, pyramid uh, visualization. I can totally see that um, completely uh, as you go down through the, the levels, the level of complexity just multiplies. Um, but I, I'm glad you said that because I often think that um, the people that tend to speak more, most about segmentation are obviously marketers and, you know, in marketing, segmentation, targeting, personalization, it's almost a, well, it's, it is definitely a buzzword. Um, but nonetheless, you know, all of this definitely involves different departments from, from the senior management all the way down to now, you know, um, IT and, and data and strategy and all of that. Um, so I would like to explore that in, in a bit more detail. Um, Ashila, can you actually uh, comment on the role of technology? Uh, which role does it play in the implementation of segmentation strategy? Sure, yeah, no, I think, yeah, you know, we are, we are technology and everything that we do is evolving so fast that, uh, you know, technology can only help enhance, uh, you know, better segmentation. So I think, you know, the, the way we at White Label, the way we use technology really is to uh, take traditional segments and make them hyper-targeted. Because that's only as much as you could do as, as a human, you know, uh, traditional segmentation target broader segment categories. Uh, and, you know, focusing on life stage at the moment, whilst, you know, when you use technology on top of that, you can start, you really turning this real time flow of data to create segments. And that's really the, the biggest power of, uh, of technology in, in, in this space. Uh, so you can create these reactive segments and those segments can change in real time. And it's very, very powerful. So imagine having you know, you can just see the life stage change based on what's on the receipt. You know, somebody starts buying nappies, you know that the life stage will change. You shouldn't have to wait for, uh, you know, six months to get the next data dump to understand that. Uh, so another really positive thing with uh, the technology can bring is that uh, it allows you to, to, to experiment a bit, you know. Uh, not everybody is specialist in segmentation like James. Uh, so what happens then is that you have, uh, you have a lot of trial and error, but if you have to wait for at least a month every time you're trying to try new segments, you know, it takes, it takes a long time to get it right. And with technology, you can experiment. So uh, we have this audience engine, uh, which is purely segmentation tool in our platform, which allows you to be able to segment in real time and reach those customers and then you can also uh, see the outcome of that targeting. So you can adjust that segment in real time. And I think that's really where technology come, come at its best. 
Mm, great, thank you. Um, James, have you seen um, any any bad examples of what Ashiel has just said uh, of you know having to to wait while we do our analysis at the end of the month or whatever? Have you experienced anything like that in your um, career, or have you always worked? With the best businesses therefore you've got no bad examples to share oh i i i, I couldn't name individuals uh, for the for the fear of ending up in the in, in some sort of legal trouble but um look, look, i think there are some there are some great examples and great people i've worked with that i that i really really respect and and, and really have learned how to do better segmentation how to do better data and insight from and there are some people who are on a learning curve themselves uh and uh, you know the approach is always try and help people along that curve rather than sort of sit there and go oh that, that's not too good that that's not not to say that there aren't examples of that and i, I think there are there, there's a couple of really sort of I, I i don't know whether these are true stories but they've certainly been played back as true stories to me that there is a a supermarket in a supermarket chain in the states who were very very uh, forward thinking and into data and insight and what, what they the, the tale i'm about to tell you is about um always stop and think about what you're doing before you you go and do it they they were very very clever and they worked out that there was a pattern in the in the transactions of certain vitamins and minerals uh, uh that were bought in conjunction with other products that signaled that uh, women were pregnant. So I suspect some like folic acid was in there or various uh, multivitamins and uh, uh, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and that, that's great. They then took all of those people that, that were displaying those combinations and moved them into a segment that the marketeers got hold of. And the marketeers said, ah, we will invite you to our baby club. Right. So we will push a load of marketing activity to you because we know if we get a mum to be hooked with nappies from my store or, or uh, stuff, for baby wipes or, or milk or formula or whatever, from our store, it's very much like your first bank account. You know, you stick with that person all, all the way through. And, and certainly when you're a parent, um, you know, you, you find the nappies that work for your child and you never ever go away from any of that because the, the horror of doing that is is too bad um but what they then did was start sending all that marketing out now they had sent that out to a family and uh, the card the loyalty card was in the father's name and the father had then gone back to the uh, uh says mom mom uh, mom and dad in this in this in this house had gone back and said why are you sending this to me? My 50-year-old, 55-year-old wife is clearly not pregnant. What's going on? And it turned out it was their teenage daughter who had not told them that she was expecting. Now, whether that story is true or not is, is, doesn't really matter. But what at the sense of that, at the center of that is, just because you can see something and just because you do see some patterns doesn't mean that you jump straight from A to Z. What it means is good, good data and insight, good segmentation is set into some processes so you understand what that is saying to you
before you then go and do that. Because in that example, even if it hadn't been a teenage daughter who was pregnant and hadn't told their parents, that's a really, really risky thing to send to mums-to-be because we know not all mums-to-be have a successful pregnancy, not all mums-to-be have a great uh, experience in that. And sending something like that at a time where they could be quite stressed, could be quite concerned, um, and sadly, not all, you know, still some uh, children born, still, still born, et cetera. That's a massive risk. Mm. Um, but the, 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 the moral of that tale is just because you can do something with the data doesn't mean you should do it. And that, that I think, only comes from having a real, real handle on everything that you do and having a re- balancing the insight and the processes at the same time. Because tech's brilliant, but if 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 you leave it unmanaged, you will end up making some decisions and making some interactions with clients and customers that are not optimal and not and are not maximized. Mm, that's a fantastic story, um, and I think it highlights definitely the the power of um, artificial intelligence for sure, and whether that was actually made by a, a, a model or whether it was done by people sitting in an office depends but certainly it could have been done uh, with um, predictive modeling mm-hmm. um, so Ashil would you be able to comment on that what do you think about can yeah can you comment on the power of predictive modeling in segmentation in general and are there risks associated do you believe so just like James yeah, no, I think uh, what James just said makes perfect sense. Just because you have the data doesn't mean you have to execute on it completely, you know. But uh, there are some really, really interesting things that could be done at the moment with uh, predictive modeling. And uh, it depends on, you know, what context you're using it. There are some sensitive areas like uh, what James just mentioned, but you could also look at it uh, in terms of uh, trying to identify customer churn, you know. So you have these segments, but using AI to to predict customer churn in these particular segments, because predicting customer churn in a high spending segment versus um, you know the segment that spends relatively little has a different action. So I think you know you can really use this to predict the next best uh, behavior for the business. Um, another way that uh, uh, predictive uh, modeling can be used really, really well is to identify brand ambassadors who are most likely to refer you to their friends. And then you can actually incentivize them to, uh, to try new products, be the first to know, and really use them as a catalyst uh, for, for your business. Because just the people who spend the most with your business are not necessarily your, your most loyal customers. And that might not be your brand ambassadors, but utilizing this uh, predictive modeling and AI in general, it really gives you, it helps you unlock this hidden hidden data you might not get uh, understand about. So if I give you another example about that is, for instance, we have a client that's been uh, working with us and they wanted to identify uh, the next door to open and where to open it. And they wanted to use the segments in order to identify that. But combining that with multiple data sources, such as census data or geolocation data, uh, to try to identify the mode of travel for their customers, for instance, as well as uh, uh, what the average transaction amount is, and 
how far they travel to go to, to location. Uh, so the, like James mentioned this in the last session about, you know, sometimes it's just about convenience. So they didn't want to take any gamble. Uh, and based on using predictive, uh, predictive modeling, combination with segmentation and third-party data sources, they managed to identify the perfect location for their stores based on the demographic, the age range, etc. So it could be used to do some fantastic things if it's, if it's done correctly. Um, so what I really like about it, what I really like about it, doesn't make me hard or boring. It's just that predictive modeling is just focusing on hard, real data. There's no assumptions. And that's what makes it beautiful. Mm, okay. You can't, blame, you can't blame anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. But I think from of what both of you have said, perhaps the takeaway is that you still need both. You know, you still need great talent. You still need good knowledge, um, as well as good technology in order to, to do it properly. You know, not to mention that obviously you need somebody to be able to create those models and, and make them work correctly as well. So, um, so I think that kind of reiterates the point actually that James made at the start of this, that, um, that the whole segmentation um, endeavor really, uh, really crosses the whole company and, and it involves so many different processes and activities and so many different people. Um, I think we've had some really fantastic um, examples um, by both of you. So I think um, I would just like to see uh, whether uh, you could comment on, um, on kind of the, let's say the future of segmentation. Where do you see it going? Do you, has it kind of stayed the same? And do you think it's gonna stay the same or has it always been changing? Um, I think James, you actually mentioned something in, in the previous um, in the previous part uh, about how um, how segmentation has changed through the decades. Um, but yeah, are, are there any trends now? Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll go back and refresh on that 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 change through the decades because I think it's pertinent and, and and it helps you sort of frame where where I think the the this, the, the approach is going. So. If you think about the 50s and predominantly in the States where it sort of started, it was about the job that you did. So, you know, were you blue collar, white collar? Were you a housewife? Were you not? Um, and then you had various things sent to you or, or, or mailed to you through the, the post or, or, or adverts dropped in TV programs based on when you thought they watched them. Um, that then goes on to a segmentation based on where you live you know, suburban versus urban, um, you know, looking at uh, different types of housing, uh, you know, flats and apartments versus detached or semi-detached uh, and and implications of the, the socio-demographic part of that area. Uh, and that was applied to you as an individual, but we all know that, you know, people are on a spectrum. That then moved into sort of in the 90s um, and onwards, what you bought, so you are what you eat or you are what you consume. Uh, and that means, you know, identify vegetarians really easily. You know, there's, there's nothing about where you live or what job you do that identifies whether you're a vegetarian or not. What identifies as vegetarian is if you buy Linda McCartney sausages, right? You know, that's that that's easy to, to, to piece together. And, and I think now where you're sort of seeing um, the change 
is twofold. One is there are more sources of data. So you've got things like social media data coming in. You've got things like any transactional data outside of an environment, you know, whether that be card linking, whether that be other, other data that's available. There's lots and lots of ONS data, more, more ONS data, census data that's available open source these days. So what, what you've got is there's an increasing and probably exponential curve on the types of data that are available. And what does that mean for the approach? That means you're going to see much more blended segmentation because actually I am not just defined by my life stage. I am not just defined by my lifestyle. I'm not just defined by where I live or what job I do or how I get to work or not, whether I'm working at home like most people are now or, or whether I commute. What, what I am, what I, or, or what social media platforms I engage with or whatever, what I'm defined by is a blend and a blend of all of those individual bits of information, your politics, your view on the world, your, your uh, you know, how old you are, all come together in a piece uh, that is, is, is you as an individual or you, you as your family. And I think what will be interesting is as AI gets more and more sophisticated, those models that can bring in multiple sources of information which then say, here is this individual that is part of this sort of segment. And we talked about before, you know, dealing with individuals is difficult, but as the computing power gets stronger, as the data management gets stronger, that will become easier and easier and easier. And that might take 10 years, it might take five years, it might, might already be happening in a lab somewhere with much cleverer people than me. But um, it's it's blending all of those points of data to say, how do I understand that person uh, is where I see segmentation going. Mm. Well, you shouldn't have said that. Now, now that you've said that, uh, Ashil's probably writing something down already and, and tomorrow the, the team at Fight Liability is gonna hear. Okay, so this is what we're doing this week, please. <laughs> do, I, do I get 10%? Is, that, is, is, that how, is this how this works, right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, um, I'd say this is what we've already done. Mm. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually think um, to an extent that's where we are trying to help our clients um, at Wild Liability to go uh, with kind of our the whole event-based system. You know that really allows you to see this blended approach, really. And, and I'm always thinking about that when when consulting with the clients as well, um, to go and see beyond just the transactions and beyond just the, the demographics data that they always you know, collect through, through their solutions. So, um, so I absolutely agree. Um, Ashia, do you have um, any trends that you have noticed or that you would like to comment on? Yeah, sure. I think, but first of all, I, I, like, I really like what James just said uh, because He's basically describing our system <laughs> and our ambition uh, in terms of that audience and segmentation engine. It, it, and it's exactly what you said as well, Christina. It's all about uh, making sure that the all data sources are taken into account. Uh, but having an AI or you know, a clever algorithm, they can put different weight on those uh, data points, you know. And because sometimes it's not. It's easy to select what to put an importance on, but if you have a clever and really good 
predictive modeling uh, solution in place, you'll be able to actually identify what's important and what's not important for that audience. Uh, in terms of trends, I think one of the core things is that everything we do in the future needs to be in real time. There's too many uh, static segments which don't make any sense. So again, that resonates with that flow of keeping a, almost like a living segment, which you then use technology to create micro segments uh, and moments. I, I like to call it moments. Really. Uh, and the third bit that I think is important to emphasize is that we all talk about zero party data, first party data, third party data, external data sources. I think all those would have to work in together. And, and uh, depending on the strategy or, the, or what you want to achieve, you can then decide to put more emphasis on one or the other. Uh, at White Label, uh, we put a lot of emphasis on first party data, uh, but you know, zero party data is actually the customer giving you that data. But you know, what we're not 100% sure about is, will the customer always tell you the truth? Whilst first party data is actually based on the purchase, the real events that's happened in that customers. And so it's kind of interesting. And I, I think to, to look at the trends, we see those data points merging and the winners would be the ones that identify and put the right weight and importance on each one of them. Right. Um, I think that's a brilliant way to, to wrap this up, really. I think we've had some brilliant examples given uh, today on to really showcase the power of segmentation um, and where things have gone right and where things have perhaps gone a bit wrong. And hopefully you've gotten a little bit of uh, an idea of how to avoid such pitfalls. Um, and I think there's been also really great links between our part one and part two. So in part one, we, we spoke so much about the importance of data and how you need to look at your data and find out what other types of data you need and how to work with it. And today we've discussed, uh, we've kind of gone back to, to that um, and, and we've discussed how having this blend is really the future um, going kind of as individual as possible whilst not making it way too complicated. Um, and also um, I love that we've discovered um, or it's been highlighted that segmentation really um, should be all encompassing when it comes to the whole company. Uh, it, it Essentially, it's all about the customer and everyone in, in a company should always be thinking about the customer. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so let me just thank our guests once again, uh, one, one last time. So Ashil Traore and James McKenzie, thank you so much for taking the time for both of our parts, uh, both episodes. Um, it's been really great to uh, hear your insight and, and get some of your knowledge. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Christina. And All right. Final, final words for me is thank you so much, James. And uh, oh, thank you. Ev everybody watch this space because that's an interesting project which involves segmentation that uh, uh, James is involved with and uh, using the white label engine. So watch this space. Indeed. Indeed. Ooh.
teaser, teaser. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait for the next episode. <laughs> All right. Thank you, uh, as always, for listening and watching. Please do uh, follow the podcast or the video series on YouTube and Spotify. And we'll be excited for uh, the next episode already. Goodbye.